Look, I was going to go easy on you, not to hurt your feelings. But I'm only going to get this one chance. Just a feeling I've got. Like something's about to happen. But I don't know what. If that means what I think it means, we're in trouble. Big trouble. And if he is bananas, as you say, I'm not taking any chances. You are just one of the I'm Ron. This is Braden. Welcome to Commanders Uncensored. Welcome to Dallas Week, everybody. Biggest, one of the biggest, I guess, right? Dallas. We play him twice, so. Dallas week number one, it's the biggest rival, and Dallas is currently in second place. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to your people's station. Anyway, just joking. Um, This is Ron, and Dallas is second in the division. Um, a little bit of a surprise just because when Dak Prescott went down in week one, we thought, well, here, here it goes, right? They're done. Turns out that maybe, maybe, uh, Cooper Rush is better than people thought, or maybe McCarthy's better than people thought. I don't know, you know, which one of those is true, or maybe it's just a, a, a matter of you got a coach that realized he has a backup and he's just keeping it very simple. And he's letting his defense play a little bit more. I don't know, but hey, they are two and zero with Cooper Rush, so that that tells me something. I mean, they're finding ways to win. Um, week one, they come out and they lose to the Bucks, and that's with Dak Prescott, right? They lose nineteen to three. Week two, they come out and they beat the Super Bowl. Runner-up, the Bengals, 20-17. to 17, And like I said, that was with Cooper Rush. Week three, they come out and they beat the New York Giants, 23-16. Is Dallas a 2-1 team? Are they, are they where they you know should be? Are they maybe a better team than people think? Are they... Underperform. I would probably say they should probably, uh, yeah, two and one. And they, they, I mean, with a backup, let's be honest, they probably should have lost to the Bengals. So I would say I, my prediction would have been they would have been one and two. So con- congrats to, I guess, Mike McCarthy and, and Dallas for somehow having a better record than I thought they would. Um, going into the game this week with, Washington, I just keep, I keep replaying last week and the nine sacks, which is total coaching malpractice because at the end of the day, you can always debate, is it the player or is it the coach? But if you're the coach and you are not changing your play calls and you're still allowing your guy to get sacks, you've got to take that decision out of their hands. Once he gets the four sacks, and obviously if it's not if it's not the coaching, so if you're calling plays and your player just isn't getting it and you're continuing to allow that, then that's on the coach. You either got to make the change or you are just horrible and you don't know how to protect your players. So 
Parsons last year was a game wrecker. Parsons, he he caused um, I mean, he was just in the backfield, like, and I, I I'm trying to remember the down. And I think it was like right before halftime or something. You know, he hits Heineke, and he causes a fumble, and it was just all game. I mean, he was just constantly in the backfield. And this is against a mobile quarterback, right? So Heineke can move. So this problem, like I said, it's persisted now for multiple years, which tells me it, it might not be the players. It might be the coaching. Um, one way that you kind of get rid of that. So if you're getting too much pressure from the defense up front, obviously uh, you might want to have two tight ends or at least a blocking tight end. So, if you have Logan Thomas out there and he's more of a pass catcher, maybe you take him out and you put a John Bates in who is more of a blocker. You keep your running back next to your quarterback in shotgun. He stands there and he blocks whatever lineman, whatever corner safety or linebacker they're sending on a blitz. That's his job to step up and take that defender on. You can't just have your quarterback sitting back there with no protection. So there's things called max protection or you're calling plays where you are moving your quarterback around, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Have him roll to the right, have him roll to the left. So he's just not a sitting target back there. So if your offensive line can't get the job done, you have to find ways to get your quarterback then out of the pocket and find open guys um i'm i'm the black uniforms the black uniforms this week it's it's a question mark because if i'm an organization right so this is the very first time that the commanders will debut their black alternate jerseys and they've already had a jersey schedule out, and it was scheduled for later on in the year. So there, there's teams, and especially this year because they are allowing a third alternate jersey, there's teams that are bringing out their alternates. But I would say normally, right, if you look at most franchises, that's something that you wait for a home game, like a meaningful a Monday night, a Thursday night, a holiday, some sort of meaningful, and not only meaningful, but usually it's it's going to be a night game, and it's always going to be a home game. You never break out your specialty jersey that you're only supposed to do maybe two times a season, right? That's what makes it special. You don't do it every week. You don't break it out on the road. That screams to me desperation. Or it screams the owner or the marketing has gotten involved and said, hey, look, we're not where we need to be with sales. And now we're one and two. And before this thing gets really, really bad, we just got to start throwing these out here so people start trying to buy them. Maybe it's a marketing thing, right? And the, I guess the coach is being told he has to wear these. And I would say that's messed up. So 
if ownership is getting involved in telling you what you have to wear, that's not a good thing. If that's not the case, then I'm, I'm, I'm all for if it is Ron Rivera saying, hey, look, I got to do something to spark this team. That's what any head coach should do. You're always trying to find something to spark your team. So if it's truly coming from him, even though it's odd to do it at a home, I mean, I'm sorry, at an away opponent, that's very odd to me. But if it's him realizing, I know it's early, I know it's only week four, but I have to do something because this team is flat. Whatever. You know what I mean? He's he's trying to get a spark. I can respect that. I would say that if it is coming from him, and if he is trying to get a spark, and if history repeats itself, as they kind of always say, like, those who don't know history are deemed to repeat it or whatever that old saying is. If you go back to 2020, Ron Rivera was the head coach here at Washington and Washington was underperforming. And I believe it was week four. Wayne Haskins, who was the starting quarterback that was not a Ron Rivera pick. That was before he got here. He gave him until week four. So what are we going into now? Week four, right? So there seems to be patterns. He let the team roll with the way they were going. He gave them time. And after week four, he said a change needs to be made. And he made the change of quarterback. I say that to say... Are we seeing something here where he's trying to generate something because he knows if he loses this game, this is going to be week four, and they're going to go to one and three, is there going to be some sort of change coming for week five? And that change does not necessarily mean Carson Wentz. I would say that change might mean the offensive coordinator, Scott Turner, or Carson Wentz, or Jack Del Rio. You know what I mean? Like, I'm wondering if he's. This is his one last ditch effort before a change, a shakeup happens in Week Five. Pay attention to that. And I would say so. A lot of people always blame players I've always said it it takes takes both right so you got to have the right player with the right coach and I've always told Braden like Tom Brady would not be Tom Brady if Tom Brady was on let's say like the Ravens staff right now and you got Greg Roman because Greg Roman's offense is the pistol, and that's a mobile running quarterback. So, of course, Tom Brady would never play in that system because he can't. So, as an organization, the Ravens, 
have won Super Bowls and who's Harbaugh has won Super Bowls when they got rid of Joe Flacco and they brought in Lamar Jackson. He brought in a new offensive coordinator to fit his players' strength. So they said, look, we're drafting Lamar Jackson. We know this guy runs. Who's the best offensive coordinator that we can get who calls the plays that fit his strength? And they go out and they get Greg Roman, who coached Kaepernick. So it kind of makes sense, right? Like you don't take a player and make him what he's not. You take your coaching staff and you coach to that player's strength. Brian Dable was just brought in to be the New York Giants football head coach. They are 2-1. and one. They have a better record than Washington, and many people would say they do not have a better roster. Well, if they don't have a better roster, then what separate? What? Why are they 2-1, and one, and why is Washington 1-2? and two? Brian was in Buffalo, and Brian coached um, up there with Josh Allen, and you see the success that the Bills had. So you brought in a guy who has a proven record that whatever he does, whatever his coaching philosophy is, it's a winning philosophy. He knows how to relate. He knows how to generate points. He knows how to win. They bring him in. New York looks better, right? Dan Campbell. I thought, so let me say before Dan Campbell became the Lions head coach, I heard the name of Dan Campbell because he coached with Sean Payton down in um, New Orleans. And they said, this guy's, you know, the next best great head coach and this and that. And then the first time I saw the guy talking about biting kneecaps off, I thought, what a cornball, right? He's goofy. Like he's a, he's a special teams guy. So he, he doesn't have, he's not the play caller, like offensive, or defensive play caller. But he's a guy that just relates and just has something about him that makes his players want to play for him. Whatever that is, he knows how to get the most out of his players. Now, we have the same record as the Lions, one and two. But the Lions, they go out, right, week one, against the Eagles, who the Eagles just pretty much kicked Washington's butt. They lose 38-35. That's a respectable game. And then they lose to the Vikings last week, 28-24, and they blew our doors off. I mean, the final score was 36-27, so you can – Whatever you want to say about that, if you want to say, well, that's not that bad or that is bad. I don't know. I watched the game, and I can tell you they controlled that game the whole game. So the Giants, who were supposed to be not a good team, are 2-1. and one. The Lions, who many people would say aren't a very talented team, look more talented than Washington right now. Same records, but every week, they are right there. I mean, you're you're talking 
a one possession game, right? Like one thing happens in that game differently. They have a win. And how about the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? Two years in a row, they have the number one pick. So they have the worst record in all of football two years in a row. They bring in Doug, and they're two and one. Last week, they were 38-10 against the Chargers. I mean, that's actually pretty surprising. They didn't just beat the Chargers. They, like, dominated, really, the Chargers, of which some people would think the Chargers are a 100% a playoff team. If And if you don't think they're a playoff team, you got them being pretty close, I think, right? Like, you got them being over Jacksonville. And if anybody argues with that, I would say, I doubt at the beginning of the year that you really thought that. But whatever, 38-10, right? They, they shut out the Colts. 24-0. Their only loss is actually to us. And like I said before in, in the other podcast, what was it, 28-22, and they were actually winning. So Washington came out and scored quickly, and then they went silent again. So the offense has been inconsistent. They went silent, like they didn't do anything. And then finally, in the last couple of minutes, they threw two long, you know, touchdowns to win that game. Jacksonville could very easily be 3-0. and My point is, these are three teams right here that you would say Washington has a better roster or Washington is better than. And I'm telling you right now, they're not. These teams either have better records or the same records but are definitely more competitive. And what's the difference? Coaching. You got the head coaches out there, and he's dancing, uh, you know, Brian Dayball up there, and, and these guys are relating. People love Dougie P. Like, they get this bond, and they know how to either call offense or they just know how to get that out of their players when right now, I don't know what the problem is, but there is really zero disconnect. Like, there's nothing that I see where, I, where I'm like, wow, like, these guys love what they're doing right now. It It's... It's flat, and I mean, the especially the offense, right? So everybody wants to always talk because the defense has whatever, like, you know, the first rounders and this and that, and they want to blame Jack Del Rio. And, and yes, in week two, they look bad. But they've improved. You got to, as, as a team, right, so it's got to go all the way around. Your offense needs to put points on the board because when the points are going on the board, then you're forcing your opponent then to change their game plan or not be as aggressive or be more. So the further you pull away from them, if you get up 21 and nothing, well, you're probably taking their running game away. So it all works side by side. So when you, as an offense, aren't 
either getting your first downs and keeping your defense on the sidelines, they're getting tired. If you're not scoring points, then the other team can be more aggressive and then they can go for it. And especially if a team gets up. So if you're the opposing team and you're up 14 and nothing and it's five minutes before halftime, let's say, and it's fourth down, you might think, well, I'm near midfield. I'm just going to go for it at this point because I'm up two scores. And if I give it to them, they're only getting at midfield. But if the game was three to zero or 13, 10, you might not do that. I would say something probably should and probably will change starting this week. Because if not, something bigger is going to change in the next few weeks. So how does Washington win this game? By changing what they've been doing. So the offensive coordinator has to talk with Carson and they have to have that conversation. What do you like to do? You know his strengths. Play him to his strengths. If he likes throwing tight ends, if he likes getting rid of the ball within two seconds, if he likes the short passes, if he likes to roll out. In 2017, Carson Wentz was a... MVP candidate, and they ran the RPO. Maybe you incorporate that. Maybe you add those plays to your playbook. You have to change your style as a coach to his strengths, or you don't play him and you find a player that can play to the way you want to call the plays. So I see this week, Washington coming out, and I, hopefully, I see a change. I think the ball gets out quicker. I think they run more. Carson should only be throwing the ball 30 game, you know, 30 times a game. No more than 40, right? That's your average. It definitely used to be your average, and some teams are getting away from that but you still want balance there, right? You want to run and you want your quarterback throwing between the 30 and 40 times. And that's it. And that's all you got to do. For that reason, I'm going to tell you my prediction for this week. Washington wins it in the last minute or so at the end of the game. I think Washington's losing the game 23-21. And Mike McCarthy does something stupid because he's stupid. Cooper Rush is a backup quarterback. So he'll do something stupid. Washington will get the ball back, get in field goal range, and kick a field goal to win this game by one point. It's close. But they get the win.
Yo, are you done crying over here? Where's Braden at? Nobody's seen Braden. You know why? Because the last time I was here, Braden tried getting a little lippy. And guess what happened to Braden? I'm just kidding. That didn't happen to Braden. Maybe I tied him up and I just threw him in his room. Whatever. Don't mess with the commander, baby. You know who I am? I'm one bad mamma-jamma. So let me tell you something right now. Not only is Washington going to win this game, but they're going to win it actually easily. They're going to come out and they're going to have 21 points before halftime. 21-3 at halftime. Final. 40-17. Washington Commanders are going to stop a mud hole in the Dallas Cowgirls. And you best believe that, baby! <laughs> okay. Thanks, baby. I, I mean, I like the fact that you're, you're hype and you're ready and you got a lot of faith and I like that. So, thank you. You want to sign out, baby? Sure, I don't care. I'll sign out. You want me to sign out? This has been Commanders Uncensored, baby. So long, farewell, I'll be just saying goodnight. I hate to go and leave this pretty sight.